Welcome to the next podcast in Adlib and Ad Hoc. Over the last three podcasts, I've quietly tried to encourage you during these very difficult times. But today, I want to take a new direction. I want to be a bit more upbeat and drive things forward. I want to turn the heat up a little. This last year has been the great stop, the great pause. We've had time to rest and refocus and rethink and reset. We've had time to think about who we are really, why we're here, what's the purpose of life and what are we to do with this life. At the core of our lives as Christians and at the core of the church's life is the fact that we believe in something called the good news, the great story, the gospel, the good news about God and ourselves, the good news that there can be peace within and peace around and peace with God, that there is victory over this life and there is a reality beyond us. The gospel message is the best news of all. It's not just a story. It's truth. It's not just for a few. It's for all of us. As a student, as an academic, as a pastor, I studied many of the world's greatest thinkers for many years. They had wonderful ideas and great insights into life. Yet they pale into insignificance in comparison with the gospel story, this good news. God is a God who reaches out to us, who touches our lives, who makes a total difference to our lives and to this world, to total benefit. In Acts chapter 17, we find Paul is in the city of Athens. He's waiting to meet up with his co-workers and he wanders around the city. This once great classical city of the ancient world is now just a small city of about 30,000 people. It's really a university town. There are students and thinkers and teachers and they all meet at a place called Mars Hill to discuss and to discover and to debate new ideas. Paul, as he's walked around the city, has become focused and disturbed by what he saw. He saw a city full of altars and idols. And yet, one altar was to the unknown God. He makes his way to the Mars Hill, to the meeting place of students and philosophers, and speaks. Let's just stop for a moment. This is a man, 2,000 years ago, in a, a country very different to ours, in a culture very different to ours. And yet, there are so many similarities. You see... In Athens, they've got lots of things, lots of ideas, lots of distractions. And yet there was uncertainty. The altar to the unknown God points to the fact that we think, yeah, I've got ideas and debates. I've got material things. I've got distractions. But there's something more, something missing, something mysterious, something unknown. And now Paul speaks. There are many, well, fascinating observations that we can make of Acts 17. But I want to focus on just three. These three are at the very heart of the Christian message, at the heart of the Christian faith. They're so familiar we often forget them and neglect them to our peril. 
But let's just focus now on just three things that Paul says. In verse 24, he says this, He, the unknown God, He is the God who made everything. This unknown God is not someone who's uncertain. He's not someone or something. He's not an unknown or an unknowable God. He is a God who actively wants us to know him. He is a God who wants us to know him and for him to know us. He is the maker and he is God. He has a purpose in making us. We are no accident. Later on in this passage, Paul encourages us to search after him and seek him and find him. God exists and God can be known. God shows what he's like in creation, the order and the beauty and the perfection of creation. He shows what he's like in the Bible as we understand his dealings with man. We see him through Christ as the perfect life. And inside, we know that God exists. There's a, a kind of God consciousness that drives us to find him. That asks us to say there's much more to life than just what we see. Augustine said there's a shape in every person and it's Christ shaped. And we're restless till we find our rest in him. You see, this God, this absolutely almighty God, this majestic, sovereign, creator, sustainer, knows who you are. He knows where you are. He knows what you are. And he desperately wants you to know him. He wants you to connect and to, to relate to him and to understand his love and to respond in love. God loves you. Psalm 139 describes this very aptly. Psalm 139 talks about the fact that we can't escape from him. We can't go too high or too low or too far away from him. He knows us. He knew us from the very time we were conceived. And he loves us. And he wants us to know him. This is not just a nice, cute idea. This is Bible truth. But it's also truth based on experience. I know that God exists because I know that God exists because I've experienced him. God is knowable. The second thing is God is not limited. In verse 24 and then 29 it says this. He does not live in temples and can't be served with human hands. He has no needs. God is not an idol to be shaped by human hands. Often when we think of religion, we think of special places and special actions and special people. This is not true. At the heart of the Christian gospel is this. He is not limited or restricted to religious places or to religious functions. God is everywhere. He is near. He's close by. God is in reach right now, right today. God is in reach. Just reach out to him today. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need us to believe in him. He doesn't need us to serve him. We need him. It's not that God needs us. We need him and we need him desperately. God is no idol. No place that we can manipulate or manufacture or, 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 or manage. God is here. God is now and he whispers his love to you. He's not limited or restricted. He's not needy and he certainly isn't controllable by us. God is noble at the very deepest level of your being. God is close and he's calling you today. God wants you to know him. 
to love him and to receive his love and grace. God's not limited or controlled. We can't just go and visit God. God's here. We can't ignore God. We can't manage God. God is here and he's calling us out. Thirdly, so what do we do with all this if God is near and God is knowable and God is not limited and God is calling us? Where does that leave us? What does God expect? Verse 27 says this, His purpose is for us to seek after God, feeling our way towards him and finding him. He is not far away from any of us, said Paul in verse 27. God's there. God is calling. God is inviting. We need to recognise that we can find God. We can move towards God. James says, if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. Make a decision, whether you know him as a Christian or not, to make a move towards God. To say, God, I want to know you. And then verse 30 says this, Now he commands everyone to repent and to turn to him. This is the difficult bit. Words don't really help here. The word repent has got such a bad press. But what it really means is, God is asking us to turn to him, to turn to something better, to turn away from all the mess and the misery and the uncertainty of life, and to turn to him. It's so important. Turn to him. He is close. He's calling you today. Today, this world, this church has been shaken. Shaken by isolation and by uncertainty. And the Christian message is so important. This message needs to be communicated by life and lip. God is here. God loves you. Get to know him. Turn to him.